1 Corinthians, thank you, chapter 12. I just want to flick through uh, quickly uh, just uh, the first few scriptures, if you don't mind. But I'll be coming back to 1 Corinthians, so you can keep your finger there if you wish to. But um, in chapter 12, we see what Paul here has to say. Paul is writing to the spirit field here. He's writing to us then. He says in chapter 12 and verse 12, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so is so also is Christ. He's saying we've got many members. Yes, there are many members here. Throughout, over the world there are many members that are spirit-filled, but the head of that body is Jesus Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. And so those of us, and we understand this, don't we? Those of us that are in the Lord, we understand that uh, we're part of the body of Christ, not because we walked in the door and sat on the chair for three weeks in a row. We're part of the body of Christ because God has baptized us into it by his spirit and all the people said and we're glad (coughs) oh um but what that's baptized by the the spirit is water baptism necessary i mean some people say it's oh it's only symbolic there's no need to do it well so then the 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 topic of my talk the theme of my talk this morning is what of baptism so just to go to another scripture in the book of luke Thank you. Book of Luke, chapter 3, verse 1. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod uh, being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of Ituria, and the region of Trachonitis, and uh, <coughs> Lysanias, uh, the tetrarch of Ab- Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priest, so all the people listed there are in the political leaders, if you like. And verse 2, Annas and Caiaphas, being the high priests, the word of God came, came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And so they're all the political people, you know, the important people. And here are the religious people, the important people. But actually the word of God came not to any of them, it came to John. Uh, the son of Zechariah in the wilderness. And he came to into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And so we see then that baptism in water, it's associated with salvation. There is certainly a need to, pre- uh, to repent. But just back a couple of pages in the book of Mark, in chapter 16... <clears throat> We see what the Lord had to say to his disciples. This is just after he had been raised from the dead. And um, he says here in chapter 16 and verse 15, And he said to them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. And so we, the, the words that Jesus just uh, spoke there, uh, baptism, he says, it is required for salvation. This is baptism in water. Well, is baptism, uh, is it for babies? Have a look in the book of Acts in chapter 2. 
Now I realise that for many thing, many people here, these things are really quite fundamental. You've heard them before, but there's don't worry about that, please. <clears throat> um, I'm going to read some other things shortly. But is it for babies? Who here as a child was christened or baptised? Many, many people. Because no doubt our parents, I was too, no doubt our parents thought that it was the right thing to do. In the book of Acts in chapter 2, we read, this is just after the people, the, the church had been formed, the 120 had received the Holy Spirit and uh, they all spoke in other tongues and there were lots of people that, that questioned what all the noise was about, all these people speaking in tongues, how come they're doing it? And so Peter got up and he preached the gospel and he said, it's Jesus Christ, this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so we see that baptism, oh, I ask the question, is baptism or sprinkling for babies? Well, the answer is obviously no, if we use the Bible as a guide, because these people said to uh, Peter, when they realized that they were wrong, that their lives were not right with God, what shall we do? They, they needed to repent. They needed to put their own ideas aside. Babies, of course, don't do, don't do that. Well, have a look in the book of John as well, in John chapter 3. <clears throat> so then, when people come to get baptised, um, is it all right to get sprinkled? In John chapter 3, and we read here, in verse 22, after these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptized in Anon, near to Salim, uh, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. The word baptize, it comes from the Greek word baptizo. This was originally written in Greek language. The word baptize that you are reading comes from baptizo, and baptizo means to dip in or immerse. And we read, they went and baptized near Salim, um, near to Salim, because there was much water there. People had to be dipped in and immersed. So that's a little bit about baptism. Now go with me back to 1 Corinthians, if you weren't already aware of those things. Please, 1 Corinthians, but this time in chapter 10. And Paul again are writing to the Spirit-filled people. These people that he's writing to have been baptised. They have received the Holy Ghost. They are speaking in other tongues, people. And he wants to explain to them something. In verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptised unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what are we talking about here? Is there another type of baptism then? What is he talking about? You keep your finger in 1 Corinthians because I'm going to come back to it, but go into the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 13. Thank you. And in Exodus chapter 13, we're... Uh, We've gone back several thousand years. Well, the day of Pentecost, 
was 2,000 years ago when people received the Holy Spirit, but back in the days of Exodus, about three and a half thousand years ago, where Moses, where we're reading of Moses, and he was leading the nation of Israel and delivering them from the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Israel in Egypt, they were in slavery. Moses was raised up by God to deliver them. Moses challenged Pharaoh, and as you are, are aware, the, uh, the Lord God sent uh, the plagues, and um, eventually after the tenth plague of the death of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh said, get out. And, and they, they took off from Egypt, and uh, they arrived at the Red Sea. Now, you're in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> and so uh, there they were. They, they eventually came to a bit of a dead end. They were in the wilderness and the Lord was leading them in verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and shall carry you up uh, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and entered into Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by the day in the pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in the pillar of a fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. And so they're on their way. Here are the people, <clears throat> uh, the Israelites, and God is leading them. And we're coming back, back to baptism. What of baptism in just a moment? Uh, you're in chapter... Uh, now in chapter 14 and in verse 5, and it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people and they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? All their, uh, all their conscripts, they're gone. And he made ready his chariots and took his people with him and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and the captains over every one of them. And they were pursuing the Israelites. <clears throat> and in verse 15, And the Lord said to Moses, Wherefore, or why cry you to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. And, <clears throat> well, the way to go with God is, it is to go forward. We read in verse 16, But lift you up your rod. You see, they'd come to the edge of the Red Sea. And they were, had the Egyptians behind them and the desert all around them and the Red Sea in front of them. They were stuck. In verse 16, But lift you up your rod and stretch your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And so this is what Paul was referring to up there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He's saying, it's like the baptism. There's the baptism, the, the nation of Israel going through the water. Now in verse 26, And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, 
and the sea returned to his strength. When the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. It must have been awe-inspiring to be there and to witness it all. I mean, it would have been terrifying, no doubt, to see the to see the Egyptian army and with all their armor, with all their spears, with all their what paraphernalia and the chariots bumping over the rocks and the noise and the whinnying of the horses and the shouts of the soldiers. Terrifying. And then all of a sudden, there's Moses. There's the old bloke up the front with a stick and lifts up the stick and whoosh, back go the waters. And he said, "Come on!" And so they went forward. God was leading them. The pillar of uh, the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. It must have been awe-inspiring. And here we are sitting on blue plastic seats in a hall that is only just warm. Well, we're filled with the Holy Ghost, aren't we? And we're learning something from this, I hope. <clears throat> you see, in verse 30, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore and so you know we just you, you know what it's like you stagger out of the surf in the summertime you stagger out of the surf because you, you got just been tumbled you, and you look back and think oh I'm not going in there again but you just stagger up and that's what they would have done they would have walked up dry dry shod as the Bible says and they look back and they see all the Egyptians the waters have returned and they drowned they were, as, as we've just read, they were dead upon the seashore. So then the children of Israel went through. Now, spiritually then, the spiritual context, the dead on the seashore, the Egyptians, we need to be able to look back. That's you and I. We need to be able to look back because we've been through the water of baptism. And we need to be able to look back and see the dead lives that we used to have. And we don't have to have been drug takers and drinkers and so on and so on and saying, oh, well, I can look back on the dead works. Yes, they were dead works. We could have grown up in the fellowship and never taken, uh, taken illicit drugs and uh, never been a partier and, and all, the, all the rest of it. But we can look back to the time before we received the Holy Spirit. You might have been 10 years old when you received the Holy Spirit or six years old, but you know from what we're reading here, that up until that time, it was a dead life in that God was not going to bless that dead life. And so the Israelites could look back and see the land of Egypt. There was no good coming from that existence. And also, they could see, the Israelites could see that they were dead on the seashore, so then that the the Egyptians were no longer influencing these people. Now, go with me back into 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> we read verses 1 and 2. I don't think I need to read them again in verse 3. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock, was Christ. And what we read in the Old Testament so often are types and examples of our lives in the Lord today. 
and reading and appreciating what happened back there in the Old Testament, it gives us a depth of understanding. It teaches us things about our life and our walking in the Lord. And you see, uh, back there in, in the wilderness, the, the nation of Israel, they were provided for, of course, with, uh, with water miraculously out of, the, out of the rock. They wanted meat. They were provided with quails. Um, they had food uh, uh, given to them miraculously, uh, manna, for 40 years until they reached the promised land. I mean, so the, the, the types and the examples back there, we came from bondage. We were enslaved, not to a person in particular, but we were enslaved to this natural life. The devil is the prince of this world. We weren't going anywhere. We were dead, if you like. We went through the waters of baptism. We went through the fire of the, uh, sorry, the water of the Red Sea. The fire of the Holy Ghost has come upon us. The fire of the Holy Ghost was there with the nation of Israel and God was there to provide for them and God is here to provide for us. And all the people said, hands up if you, not yet, hands up if God has provided for you. Have there been times in your life when you've prayed and you've had answers? It's wonderful, isn't it? And uh, the the Israelites, they did the, the 40 years in the wilderness. It was a, a time of trials and uh, uh, tribulation for them and many, much of the time before they reached the promised land. And we are living in this natural life. We're overcoming the trials and the sicknesses and so on until the return of Jesus Christ, until we enter into that promised land. Paul says elsewhere in the book of Romans, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. The glory that's going to be revealed in us. That word revealed, it comes from a Greek word, and it means to take the lid off. Well, our lids are going to be taken off one day at the return of Jesus Christ. And, you know, these, this natural body that we're zipped up inside, we're going to be absolutely glorious. It's amazing. What an amazing thought. Now then, you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we do read here in verse 5, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. There's a warning here that not all that went through the baptism of the Red Sea entered into the promised land. And there's a warning to us. I mean, the, the reality of the situation, folks, is that not every one of us, not everybody that's spirit-filled will actually be successful in their walk in the Lord. And so, again, we're learning from the example. And I just said, the, the reality of the situation is that not everybody that receives the Holy Spirit is going to be successful and enter into the promised land, that is, to be raised up to meet the Lord in the air. And we can read about some of their downfalls and we can learn from it. You know, some of those people there that we've just read of were overcome by the things of this life. We have been called to be overcomers. And here we are in verse 7. Neither be you idolaters, as 
were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some were com- as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. And so the, the lusts of the flesh, they caught people out. Oh, the idolatry, I mean, the Bible says that idolatry today is covetousness, lusting after things. And we live in a society, you might say fortunately, where we've got uh, lots of food and we've got housing and that sort of thing. But when in fact, we've got so much which is laid out in front of us, we are tempted all the time to chase after the wealth of this world. <clears throat> And we read in verse 10, Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring. Do you know what that is? That word murmuring or murmured for a Greek word. And it means to be to be uh, complaining. It means to be whinging. It means to be critical. Now, we can all do that. We can all be complaining about something or other. We can complain about the plastic chair or we can complain about the the length of the talk that he goes on and on and on or or something like that. Or we can find things of brothers and sisters, oh, they, um, they, uh, you know, they do whatever they do. Oh, that really irritates me. Yes, we can look at all those things, can't we? But why do we need to concentrate on the things that 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 we like to complain about when there's actually so much to rejoice over? Some uh, uh, some of the Israelites in their time in the wilderness. They murmured against Moses. Sometimes spirit-filled people will murmur against the oversight, that they're no good, there's a hopeless pastor, there's this, that, or something else, or a house leader, or brothers and sisters. It's dangerous to do it. You know, <clears throat> what is it that we've got here? We've got a fellowship of people, yes. What, what is this? Is this the Simon Pierce Variety Hour? Hey, no, it's not. It's a body of people. It's a body of people that are wonderfully filled with the Holy Spirit by none other than God Himself, and we are all equal. We're all equal. We're brothers and sisters. And yes, I am pastoring at the moment. And when I get old and die, or something else happens, well, then then somebody else will take over. But anyway, that hasn't happened yet. <clears throat> so we want to remember this. We've been baptized. We've come through the Red Sea, haven't we? The the we saw that we can see the Egyptians. We can see our old lives dead on the seashore. We hopefully the old attitudes, the carnality, the whinging, the complaining, the murmuring, the backbiting, are dead on the seashore. The gossiping, it's dead on the seashore. You know, we we may not have been immoral. We may not have uh, just lusted after the material possessions. But if for some reason we're not happy, 
if we're not happy with the way the fellowship is run particularly, oh, why don't they do this, why don't they do that, by all means, come and talk about it. Why don't we do something or other? Come and talk about it, by all means. But to sit in the background and to complain to other people, it is destructive. To pick and to criticise, it's destructive. And if I hear about it, then I'm going to deal with it, as you would expect me to, in a nice way. But we're trying to, we, we've set a course, haven't we? All of us, we've set a course to get to the promised land. And all the people said, isn't that what we want? So we all need to be careful. He, he says, look at those people in the wilderness. Some of them missed out. And he said, these are examples. I want you to learn. And we read in verse 11, Now all these things happen to them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Oh, I know everything now. We might say to ourselves, well, we don't know everything. I certainly don't. And um, uh, if we don't have humility... If, if we don't have humility, we won't have success. God says, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's make sure that we always do do that. In, um, first, still in 1 Corinthians and in uh, verse 13, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The Lord says, Paul says to the Spirit-filled, to us, trust God and he's going to see you through. Now, you can keep your finger there again, but just turn with me back to uh, the previous book, Romans in chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6. But keep your finger in Corinthians. <clears throat> I, I, before we baptize anybody here, I like to read these verses to them. In verse, uh, verse 3, Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You know, when I got baptised, I didn't really know what baptism was about. Nobody, nobody read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 and 2 to me and, and started expounding, you know, the nation of Israel going through the Red Sea. I just thought it seemed like the right thing to do. And I wonder how many of us were, were the same because we were shown Acts chapter 2, verses 37, 38, repent and be baptized. So I got baptized in water by full immersion. So when I got baptized, it seemed like it was the right thing to do. In verse 5, for if we've been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, all, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And so we see that the baptism in water, it's associated with Jesus Christ in his death. And we need to see our old lives dead on the seashore as we saw from the scriptural example that we've just been reading. And in verse 11... 
Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yeah, well, that's what we need to do. But I do still find from time to time attitudes um, that are less than spiritual. Um, you know, we hang, hang on to the old identity that we might have had. We hang on to old religious ideas. We hang on to a worldliness. We hang on to um, feelings of malice. You know, we hang on to religious symbols. We might have a, um, a, a religious pictures in our house. We might want to wear a crucifix and so on. It's all the old life. It's all the old religion. <clears throat> we might like to hang out with the, our unsaved, unsaved friends who are still smoking dope and drinking, and it pulls people away. It happens too often. You see, what happened in the Red Sea, the old life tried to follow, but it got swallowed up. Well and truly, dead on the seashore. And that's what we all need to learn, that the old life has been swallowed up now as far as God is concerned. So let's make sure we live like that. You know, the problems that we have, they often come from within ourselves. We might say, oh, so-and-so, they're the, oh, Simon's his, his own worst enemy. Um, well, probably Simon is his own worst enemy at times, but we can all be our own worst enemies at times. Um, and and in uh, verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and all the people said we're alive from the dead praise the Lord isn't that good isn't that something to be happy about? Isn't that something to, to, when you're lying awake in bed at night before you go to sleep or when you wake up and think, hallelujah, I'm saved. Hallelujah, the world might be falling apart. I might have difficulties in my natural life, but God has saved me. And I'm righteous with God. That God loves me. My boss doesn't love me. My uh, children, parents, whatever, whatever it might be. They don't appear to be showing much love at the moment, but God loves me. Um, <clears throat> and so, did I read verse 13? Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead. That's where I got to and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. He wants us to give ourselves to him. Lord, here I am. How can, you, how can I be used? Who can I speak to? Who can I help get saved? Who that is already spirit-filled can I help out? Can I go and pray for? I want to work a miracle. Have a look in, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll tell you of an experience that I had just the other day. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And verse 14, Paul is still writing to the Spirit-filled and he says in verse 14, Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion has light with darkness and what concord has Christ with Belial or what part has he that believes with an infidel? 
And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. You see, baptism is also about separation. Isn't that what happened to the children of Israel? Weren't they separated from their old lives? My word, they were, in an emphatic way. And uh, we realise that our baptism is about separation and commitment to God. We read in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be you separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We, we recognise that because we're spirit-filled, we're a separated people. We've been called to a different purpose. Um, and by the way, some unspirit-filled people don't like it that we've become separate. I remember the reaction that I had from my family when I received the Holy Spirit. I remember just talking with a young man that's just recently received the Holy Spirit and uh, his mother is giving him curry um, over having been baptised and spirit-filled. He, he, said, he said to me just the other day, he said, me going to the other group or the other groups down in the city and, you know, hanging around with friends and so on. She was happy with that, but she said, he said, but now that I've been baptised, and I told her I speak in tongues, she said, oh, you, you might have a mental illness. You should go and see a doctor. You should speak in tongues. And uh, there's been other bits and pieces as well. So some people don't like the fact that we have changed, but nevertheless we appreciate the fact that we, God has changed us. Now then, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, now Paul is writing to the Spirit-filled again, but this time in Thessalonica, and we read here in verse 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walks disorderly and not after tradition, after the tradition, which he received of us. Are you all there? Second Thessalonians chapter 3, and that was verse 6. Did I, is that what you were reading? Okay, good. So, uh, Paul is encouraging us, the Spirit-filled, to move away from people that move away, move away from Spirit-filled people that move away from teaching that actually brought them to the Lord. We, we, we need to be careful that we don't actually, rather than standing up, that we don't actually condone wrong teachings. And by the way, let me emphasize this. It doesn't, we certainly don't need to be, and we certainly should not be, nasty or rude. We're not interested, and by the way, what control do I have over anybody? None. Um, hopefully I've got control over myself. You, you, can't, you can't tell people you can't talk to that person and you can to that one and you can't talk to that one. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is cultish. It's, 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 it's nonsense. It would be a nonsense if I was ever to say anything like that. We don't operate like that, but we do read the warnings in the Bible and we're glad to read the warnings and all the people said. We, we believe it's God's word. So let's not be nasty or rude to anybody, but let's not be weak either. 
Let's, uh, if, if people that are spirit-filled are teaching something that is not of the Bible, well, let's just say so. That, that's not right. I mean, it's either right or wrong. Um, <clears throat> we read here in um, verse 11, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But you, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You know, we, we just need to be careful. Every situation is different. Just because somebody has been coming to the meetings for such a long time, but for one reason or another um, they've gone, does that mean we just cut them off at the socks? Well, not necessarily, because every case is different. And, I mean, we read up in the book of Jude that we hate even the garments spotted by the flesh, pluck them from the fire. Some people need to be, need to be helped to come out of the fire. Other, there are other categories of people that are spirit-filled that are actually actively undermining, sowing discord well, then they would be treated differently. So everybody, every situation is different. There's no blanket rule for, for everybody that is no longer able to come to the meetings for some reason. Or Some people just dry up. Some people just stop praying in the Spirit. Some people stop reading the Word of God and, and um, stop believing the promises. I mean, we don't, we don't wish harm on anyone. Not at all. <clears throat> social media. Now, here's a subject that is um, close to my heart because I'm so technologically capable. <clears throat> because I have the latest and the greatest of all things. Social media, whether it's um, on Facebook or Insta Instagram. <clears throat> um uh snapchat what else is there telegram yeah telegram <laughs> emails uh whatsapp you know what whatsapp is great the the indonesian fellowship and sophie and i have had a lot to do with the the saints in indonesia they're a great group of people and we've visited there each year for the last seven years or so um but they're scattered around, some in Kupang, some in Bali, some in, in uh, Surabaya, uh, so that's on another island, in, on the island of Java, and some, a few in Penang and so on, and some in Sumba, and so on. And so they are separated. But, but they've started a WhatsApp group there, and the, the testimonies that you hear and the, the revival that you see, it's there for everybody to share. And so then the, the social media is, is great for um, that sort of thing. It promotes unity in their, in their case. It's great for spreading the gospel. It's also great for spreading the gossip, isn't it? Oh, yes, now I've, I've, I've hit a chord, haven't I? It's great for spreading the gossip and uh, the discord. Well, let's, let's not do that. Let's not be involved with that. Let's not run down. I've, I've seen some terrible things. 
not because I'm a user of Facebook or anything like that. I don't know how to operate it, but some, sometimes people will ring me and say, I just want to send you this and the, uh, the language that's used by spirit-filled people. Unbelievable. We went through the Red Sea, didn't we? Wasn't Egypt? Weren't the Egyptians left dead on the seashore? That's where they should be. All the people said. All right, well, I better... Oh, let me just tell you, while you're turning to the last scripture, let me tell you of a conversation that I had in Second Timothy chapter 3, please. There was a, um, a lady, very nice lady, that uh, um, was has been to a few meetings and she was thinking of joining the fellowship and as recently as just uh, last week... Um, uh, said that she, she's already spirit-filled, want to join the fellowship, looking for somewhere to go. And I said, well, that's a good idea. You need fellowship. We all need fellowship. Uh, why don't we get together and sit down and, and I'll just go through the scriptures and show you what it is that we believe. Now, this lady's been filled with the Holy Spirit for uh, years. I'm not quite sure how many years. And um, uh, very nice woman, very, very likable person. There's no doubt about that. Anyway, we, so we sat down with our Bibles and, uh, and I just went through what, what it is that we do believe and what we do preach. And there was the, there was the strong avoidance on her part to, to talk about the necessity to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. But, but the, the term that kept on coming out time and time again was the, the need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Am I right? The need to accept Jesus as the Lord and Saviour. And, and, and that, that, that is, you know, where it starts and almost where it finishes. And I said, but it's not true. It's not true. And so over an hour and a half, and it was a, a direct conversation, but there was no animosity. There was no need for raised voices. There's no need to be nasty at all. But I, I think that it would be... Uh, so in this conversation, I said, if we say to people that they can accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and therefore be saved, it is a lie. And if you say it to people, it's still a lie. And um, uh, well, one of the... and. And all the time I was reading the scripture. And I said at the end of the conversation, do you notice that all through the last hour or so, I've been reading the scripture. And he said, yes, that's quite true. But I said, you haven't referred to one scripture. You haven't referred to one scripture. You're telling me. And she said, all the churches that I go to, they've got their invitation cards and it says you can accept Jesus as your saviour. I said, she said, are you saying that's they're wrong? I said, yes, they're wrong. That's it. They're wrong. It's not in the Bible that you don't get saved by doing that. And, and so, and so this conversation, it, it went back and forth and, and, and towards the end, this lady said, but you keep on blocking me. You know, I'm saying you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you keep on blocking me saying, no, you can't, but this is what the Bible says. And I said, that's right. I am blocking you. She said, well, I don't think I really want to join your fellowship. And I said, well, that's, I'm not here to chase people away. You, you would be welcome if you want to believe and preach what the Bible says. We're not in the business of chasing people away, but we are in the business of leaving 
the Egyptians dead on the seashore, aren't we? In doctrine, in, in our behaviour, in our attitudes, in our habits, in everything. And all the people said. So that's where it is. <clears throat> and, um, and by the way, just to let you know, <clears throat> there, there were no hard feelings. We walked out of the house together. We shook hands and, and everything was very pleasant. Okay, bye-bye, God bless you, and, and so on and so on. <clears throat> uh, and, and probably that's what you'd expect of me, isn't it, in the position of pastor? Rather than have um, individuals come in here with a not believing or believing a different doctrine. I mean, it was about a month or so ago. Um, again, a, a nice couple. They visited us um, for a couple of weeks in a row. And I did say to him, well, what is it that you believe uh, a person must do to be saved? What is it from the Bible? Oh, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I said, it's not in the Bible. He looked at me like this. I said, it's not in the Bible. Did you like that? Shall I do it again? Uh, and I said, we, we don't believe that. This is what a person's got to do. It's Acts chapter 2. It's, it's John chapter 3. You've got to be born again. Um, so, so there we are. <clears throat> now, if you'd expect that of me, and, and I think that you do, and I did, how much do you think God expects that of all of us? How much do you think God expects that of all of us? Not to be nasty, not to be rude, but to be strong, to have a backbone, to, to say, well, hang on, no, that's, the Bible doesn't say that. I mean, if you're going to do that, well, okay, God bless you, but our fellowship is a fellowship of people where we've left the Egyptians dead on the seashore. So you're in Second Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to finish off. And we read here, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Fierce days. Yes, they are perilous. In verse 5, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. We, we don't want to push anybody away. Gosh, we want to get people, we want people to come in. We want people to be baptized in water. Yeah, go through the Red Sea. We want to see them filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to see them rejoicing in the Lord. But we're not interested in, in mixing, in compromising, and all the people said. All right, well, let's leave the scriptures there. So my, my talk this morning, what about baptism? That is about it.